This is Coda Radio, episode 554 for January 22nd, 2024. Hey there, you look nice today, and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, making a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development, the whole gosh darn world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, it's our host over there, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Miss a bad no. bitches. Ugh. You know, I even tried to get your place swatted just to get Jar Jar out of there. Instead, all I got back was selfies. Well, you know what? The SWAT teams in Florida are wise. Yeah. They deal with Florida man every day, so they're pretty tough, right? Like, no. you know, when you're, you're dealing with a guy who's got a pen of alligators. I'm amateur hour over here. Well, no, it's, it's, they know Jar Jar is really the ultimate Sith Lord. They're like, <laughs> uh, our guns ain't going to do crap, and our Kevlar might as well be tissue paper against his amazing Sith Binks lightsaber. And of course, the Bomba. The what? The Bomba. You remember Jar Jar calls the bombs Bombas? <sighs> it's like the Bomba, right? Like the dance. He's like Gloria Esteban. Yeah. Jar Jar is a complex, nuanced character. Yeah, he is. Got it. Just so great. Um, so I, I'm a little grumpy this morning. I came in a little hot. I got to be honest with you. So maybe it's not Jar Jar's fault, but I am getting, I, I don't know, man. Like, I know this isn't totally new territory here for a lot of you, but are your Macs harassing you every single day to upgrade to Mac OS Sonoma? Are you getting this push notification? Yeah, but I, did, I, wait, I think I did it, though. I did it out of annoyance. Yeah, I know. I only have I only have a couple of these things around. I got like an Intel one and the M1 Max, and every day I'm now getting push notifications to upgrade to macOS Sonoma. And look, I'm a guy who loves updating. I update my Linux boxes all the time, and that they generally are getting better as a result. So I like those updates. But that just hasn't been the case for macOS for years now. I, I can't think of a single net benefit to me upgrading because. I got myself out of like using the pro apps for production and stuff and switched all over to Linux. So I, I none of my apps, none of, none of the free software apps like force me to upgrade uh, the OS to maintain compatibility with them. Like that, that's just not a thing. And I am remarkably shocked at like how a free OS update basically cost me a hundred bucks per Mac because of all the little third party apps that also have to be upgraded to maintain compatibility and, you know, God bless, they got to eat. Each one of them charges to upgrade, usually a, an upgrade price, but still. Like, set aside 100 bucks for every free Mac OS update. Plus, anytime, anytime you have to spend breaking whatever compatibility thing it broke for whatever net benefit that I legitimately could not quantify. Um, and it's been like this for years. I, I have, like, a strategy now of, like, sticking on to the oldest, longest possible release of Mac OS I can. And, like, bare minimum, you wait for, like, a point release or two. Bare minimum, you wait for, like, a point release or two. Bare min. Before you update. And you just try to stretch that out as far as you can. And, you know, when you do, get, get, your, 100, get your 100, 200 bucks or whatever it is. Because each Mac has to be licensed individually, typically. Unless you get it from the App Store. But uh, then you have limited features. I, and... Uh, uh, just a second. I don't. I don't. I think their upgrade process stinks. I guess. I guess it's not been my my experience, but most of my tool chain that's Mac specific is like from Apple. I. Yeah. The, uh, the glorious <sighs> dumpster fire that is Xcode. Yeah. Yeah. I actually rage quit Adobe, which we'll see how long. I, you know, this is like quitting a drug addiction. We'll see how long I last. Yeah, you're gonna have to get that Creative Cloud back in your veins. Well, literally, I went a week, and somebody sent me an AI file, and that was a disappointing uh, experience. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I mean, boosting out there, let me know. Maybe this isn't a problem for you. Maybe your upgrade experiences are great. But for me, it's not so much that the Mac OS upgrade itself fails. That's generally pretty rock solid. It's all of the third-party applications, and there's just so many of them you need to make a Mac usable. And uh, mind you, mind you, I'm not some, like, Mac OS Luddite. I have some credentials here, considering I've been using Mac OS, or whatever you want to call it, since it booted off floppy disk, and you could load single-user motor multitasking mode. I mean, I have literally watched every UI paradigm and iteration of Mac OS since the Mac. Oh, yeah, you used to host the Apple Action Show. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> we actually, we used to host a, a, a website called Reg, Reg Excellence, where it was all about hacking Mac OS. And anyways. Nice. The, the point of, is, like, I get how to use, and it's just, it's not there. It, for a power user, in my opinion, it needs certain tools, and those tools cost a bunch to upgrade, and it makes every Mac OS update a bear. A, and it's the exact opposite of my experience on Linux. It's gross. Anyways, rant over. At least on Windows, you can, you can hang out for, for a few years. Pretty solidly. Like, you know, there's still people that are rocking Windows 10 confidently out there right now. Are, are we, like, starting to become assimilated by the Windows hive mind? Is that what's happening to us? No, no, no. It is. I've recognized that nobody in the Apple community calls out how painful this process is. Because what we well, focus on is Mac OS is free. The updates are free now. It's not. It's not free. Right. It's way not free. Right. It's way not free. It's expensive in the, in the third-party sense. It's expensive in the time sense. Applications generally break, especially in the audio production realm. Uh, anyways, I, I just can't believe this is the state of the Mac. It's embarrassing. And it's like a non-issue on iOS. I don't know about that. So it's funny you complain about this. Okay. All right. Give the other me. night, my the other night, last night, and I woke I you know, nothing wakes me up more pissed off than seeing the hello screen on my iPhone. <laughs> Stay a while and listen. So for example, por ejemplo en español. Why? <laughs> oh, no. Why? So it's like back to the welcome to your phone screen. Well, you, not just only got a, this. you just got a new iPhone. <laughs> so, you know, it's Monday. A day filled with my ears being soaking wet from wearing AirPods and headphones because I'm on the goddamn phone all day. Right? I was briefly out ill, so that just makes things worse. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just, like, chasing things around. They moved the change the speaker button to the mute button on the telephone app for some reason that now perhaps God knows, but I don't. Let me tell you how many times I was talking this morning to a customer and he or she would go, hey, Mike, uh, I think you muted yourself again. Oh, no. Because they literally reversed. And I'm sure. Now, I don't know. So I'm like an old man, right? I love speakerphone for business. I hate my ears. This is maybe a little inside baseball and too gross. My ears sweat when I wear it. Like at the end of the show, I have to use a Q-tip and clean out my ears. When we do doubles, I'm basically dying. I just sweat a lot. I don't like anything near my ears. I don't like things on my ears, uh, AirPods, but I, I purposely kept the the vanilla AirPods 2 because they don't have that soft, uh, is it like rubber plastic? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Because that stuff, like, it just, I feel like my ears are clogged and whatever. So I'm like sensitive to this. And like when, you know, my little man's not running around, there's no, you know, like teenage girls at my house. I should rephrase that. Stepdaughter's friends, not a Jeffrey Epstein thing you know, giggling and carrying on that I have to kind of seem more professional. I just do all my calls on speakerphone, like I'm Donald Trump from 1987. 
Yet somehow, Apple, probably because we've been ragging on them for their App Store policies, has decided to reverse the buttons. Yeah, we could go wrong. Just swap them. But like the phone app, do you need to innovate on phone calls? No, the phone app should only change every 10, 20 years. You know, that's when my family would get a new phone. 20,000 years at this point. <laughs> it's a goddamn phone. Can I make a can I make a speakerphone recommendation? Oh, please. Anchor makes a pretty competitive product, but uh, I actually think the HomePod Mini on the desk makes a good little speakerphone because it's got like the mic array. So I thought about that. And uh, I, I didn't want to tell you this this week because we have so much Apple hate in this episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to make you cry, Uh-oh. but um, Chris, yeah, there's been a death in my kitchen. No, no, not the HomePod. He went. He died with pride. Oh, did it get wet? Did it get dunked? No, I've been having to reset it about once a month for uh, a while. Yeah, and my HomePod is it's the OG HomePod, not the yeah, and they, some of them start going crazy. Uh, <laughs> Siri's always been a little out there, but yeah, it, it, I have a backup because I I sort of may have. Yeah, I got, I, I got one in a box. Too. I've got like my illegal Russian arms HomePod yeah. closet. I got a smuggled HomePod that's just yeah. waiting in case one of them fails. But I came to a hard decision that unless Apple releases another HomePod of the same quality. I know. Because I'm, I'm actually down to my last two backup HomePods. I'm with you. I might have to go. And it pisses me off more because this is exactly what Marco's doing too. But You're I not going to go Sonos, are you? Yeah. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know. I I don't know gonna... So I can't go Google because I'm all Apple, no. right? And it's My all crap phone. anyways. It, the, the Google stuff sucks. Yeah. yeah and the, I mean, there are on the Android side, there's a lot of apps that have Chromecast, so that gives you some optionality, but yeah, no. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the problem with the Sonos stuff, though, is like there's a wide range of like they've definitely diluted that brand quite a bit. Like there's yeah. good stuff that costs a fortune. And there's all the crap that Ikea wants to sell you. <laughs> I know. So, I know. I'm not joking. Sonos actually has a thing with Ikea. So, I, I mean, I think I, ultimately I'm going to roll my own solution, but I'm just having Yeah, but yet. that's so much work. I know. I, I mean, know. I, I guess they didn't sell the HomePods enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. Siri didn't suck so much. Oh, Maybe Siri's retarded. I mean, she's really, she's really, no offense yeah. to mentally challenged kids, but Siri, I actually think she's kind of malicious too. When I, when like I'm in the car and I'm like, hey, you, can you get me to there? She's like, navigating you to Chili's. In Georgia, what? Why? I've had I've had major issues with her. Yeah, with her uh, home automation integration now, and now that they've now they've reduced the activation phrase to just the S word, uh, she's firing off all the time. So it's yeah, it's there. I'm, I'm with you. Although I will say, uh, Alexa has been giving me headaches because my kid has a friend's name Alex. Oh God, that's annoying. Yeah, and like they're they're seven. Before we go to, I mean, we should really, we should really just talk, take a moment, and say thank you everybody who signed up and became a member. Uh, we had a we had a nice little jump. Well, we had about ten people join last week. Uh, Woot! Appreciate you, Coder QA crew. You can find details at our website and sign up and support the show. I have a link in the show notes. Uh, this is a member funded show, so thank you everybody. We really appreciate it. Business. All right, now back to the Apple stuff. That's out of the way. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I know, and they're all cutting back. It's all about yep. AI now, and um, you know, I guess securing the moats. After we wrapped up the show last week, such so luck. We have we had the worst luck on just the worst luck on the timing because you and I were just getting into how Apple isn't going to give these guys the break they expect with these new rules that went into effect. 
uh, thanks to uh, the Supreme Court deciding they weren't going to revisit the uh, Epic Apple trial. And after we wrapped up the show, Apple came out with their new policy, and it dunks hard on developers. They are allowing app-to-web payments, but their fee, instead of the 30% cut, it's like 3 or 4% less. So when you go send somebody out to the web to make a payment, to make this clear, Apple's still applying like a 27%, 28% Apple Store tax, and then you send them to Stripe or whatever it is that you're having on your website, and then there's Stripe's fee in there. And then they whip out an Amex, and it's actually more. <laughs> when you and it's it just, it, it is um, both intimidating in the way that it, it, it gets developers involved. Uh, you highlighted this in your blog post, which I thought was an excellent point that you made, is that the way this works is you have to apply as a developer to get this feature so people can go to the web to subscribe or to buy. You have to apply each app individually for a special OS entitlement via Xcode. And Apple could just, in theory, well, they could deny it, but more likely, as you point out, they're probably just going to scrutinize every app that has this flag to the nth degree. It's like driving a red sports car at 2 in the morning and swerving a little bit. You're going to get pulled over. Yeah, Yeah. like, so this is basically the flag that says, check my app out. Make sure I, you know, make sure I, make sure you throw the book at me and I have to go through every hoop and follow every policy before you allow it. Well, the entitlement is actually an X called colonoscopy.e entitlement. So. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, that's right. I checked the documentation on that. DHH, of course, who we've been talking about on this show a lot, says that calm as ever, meditating oh, yeah. in a grotto, you know, just really experiencing the, the, you know, the nurturing energy of Mother Nature, right? He's super chill, super zen. Oh, my goodness. If you want to read along, I mean, this guy must subscribe to Twitter just so that he can write rants the, this long. I mean, and he's had 362,000 views on this screed, I think. When something's that long, I don't think it's a rant. I think it's a screed. He says that Apple's using strong arm tactics and that this is going to hurt their relationship with developers, much like Microsoft did back in the past. And that Microsoft has had to spend years rebuilding trust with developers and that Apple would do best to learn from their mistakes. Uh, Here's a quote that I pulled. Quote, Apple would be wise to study the long arc of Microsoft's history to learn that you could win the battle, say maybe against Epic, and end up losing the war for the hearts and minds of developers. And while the price for that loss legs beyond the current platform, it'll eventually come due and they'll rue the day they chose this wretched path. Just the use of the word wretched is really good. It's like, I, I don't even know what to say about this. It's actually worse than I could have predicted, which, I mean, do they feel that our friends in the EU or even Sleepy Congress isn't going to wake up and be like, so you got a federal judge who said you guys were jackasses on this one issue, and you decided to do the letter of the order in the most aggressive violating of the spirit of the order way possible like i knew they were going to do some shenanigans but like there's so many cases and this maybe is a little weird for our european listeners or our non-state listeners so like if somebody's using an amex card and i know i'm harping on this it's actually more than the app store right because i'm sure chris Uh, with several payment processors it really could be discovering cases can be right like a Diners Club, if they're still around. I'm I mean, sure. if Apple is, if Apple's putting a 27, 28% fee 
it's not uncommon for a payment processor to take 5%. Yeah. I mean, Stripe is what, like 3.5, 3.5 at at, at the minimum. If you're lucky. uh, Yeah, because it varies by, and it it varies by your chargeback risk, right? So this is is why I don't take credit cards, by the way, because it sucks. I'm shocked that Apple, and this is where I have to say, I think Marco and the gang at ATP really kind of did have a good point. I, I think they're a, I would put it a little harder. Like they, they it's because of like stock, whatever stock prices. But they're so addicted to this app store revenue, they can't conceive of a way to not have it. Here's a here's a. I'll try to steal man it. So if the payment processing is say if if most payment processing somewhere between five and three percent, well perhaps that's why they've reduced their fee by five to three percent because. They can claim, well, the that's the only bit of the cost that is the payment processing. The rest is all the other value add we bring. We bring 28% of your app's worth in value to the platform. You know, 28% of your app's value is being in our app store, being on our platform, being on our device. Oh, I would take that even further. They, they, they really, they called them apps, which probably is a misnomer. They consider them OS extensions. Right. Right. The yeah. value is iOS and the device, right. not... Yeah, it's a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. It is surprising and not because this is what Google is doing in South Korea and seemingly what they plan to do in the UK. And this is also what Apple is doing in South Korea and the Netherlands. So they can their defense can be, well, we're already doing this in multiple countries. This is our standardized approach. Oh, they have an even simpler defense. What do you mean? We did what Judge Daniels told us to do. They did it in the most dickish way possible, but they did it. I mean, it's- DHH has a point, though. There, there, I think there is a cost building up like a a developer debt that is building up here because we may be seeing the early days of this kind of blowback with the vision pro because it launches soon and we know that there's going to be no netflix app there's going to be no youtube app several other high profile apps yeah not going to be on there well i mean we've all i think all those content companies have learned their lesson from the music industry right like look at look at Apple uh, TV or iTunes for movies. It it didn't have the dominance that Apple Music did, or you know before it, iTunes, because no one. I mean, let, let let's call a spade a spade here. Apple rolled the music industry in a lot of ways. I know nobody likes the RAA, but yeah, I just think this has more to do. I mean, I think you're right. This is part of it, but I think it's also it's it's the cut. It's the App Store cut. It's the limitations. Just the cut. So let me, let me ask you a question, and I'll put it to the audience too. I, I don't like the Vision Pro as a product, and we'll get into that. But I love the iPad, right? If you, it's a, by any stretch, I don't care how much of a hater you are, the iPads and the new iPads that are going to come out are extremely powerful Star Trek-level tablets. Like uh, just the hardware itself, right? Just the, the glass and metal out of the box. The problem is Apple, it's not just the 30%. I would even say I would gladly pay, well, I wouldn't gladly pay it, but I would be begrudgingly pay it if I knew that my investment in developing a true pro-level iPad app that did things for production, not just consumption of media, but production of you know media, research, whatever, whatever the app did, something really different and cool not just reading json out of a postgres database and rendering it on a screen right if i knew it would really go on the app store and didn't have a risk of arbitrary and frankly sometimes capricious rejections 
or request for modification, if I could control my launch date without having to put a ton of fat in the calendar for it, if Apple would loosen the hell up on their API restrictions, that device, it, it's like watching someone who's a Mensa teenager take up heroin and just waste all their potential because that's what that is. <laughs> it's wasted it is, potential. It's an amazing device with beautiful hardware. If they're going to come out with an OLED one, that's even better. That is basically a glorified tool to get one kids to be quiet at restaurants. I can't, t- I'm sure you've seen this too. How many kids have little iPad minis when mom and dad just want to have a goddamn plate of macaroni or whatever in a beer, right? For lunch and, t- and tired of hearing the kid fidget or, you know, people watching porn. It should be a lot of folks' primary computer but they won't allow the type of software that it needs to run to run on it yeah. because of their crazy policies. And it, I think it's fair. And I think if I were Google and YouTube and Netflix, I'd be like, yeah, we'll see. You know, if they yeah. get a million users, we'll consider it. Well, it, it, you know, I don't know why Google hasn't been able to come out with a good tablet. I mean, I, it's just it's Android. It, they're under some ancient curse where they can't succeed in hardware. Yeah. Um, other than Samsung. Phones. Microsoft, on the other hand, is going to have native Vision OS apps, including Excel, PowerPoint, Word, and Teams. They're all going to be in there. Uh, OmniPlan <laughs> is going to be in there, which sounds kind of nice. Zoom, WebEx will have apps. PCalc, of course, about you know about about two hundred and thirty apps. I like how PCalc is always ready to launch. Yeah, PCalc is. You can count on it. Um, and then, of course, iPhone and iPad apps will automatically be available on the Vision Pro unless the developer opts out in the Connect tool. It's just iPad. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. It's just iPad. And yeah, again, a sneaky way for Apple to goose its numbers, you have to actually go through the trouble of opting out, which is... Yeah, you have to go opt out. Yeah, you have to go into the App Store Connect. Which I just want to say, Netflix and a bunch of other of those type of services did. So it's interesting. And you know there was some meeting with Craig Federici's glorious chest hair trying to talk to Netflix, being like, come on, guys, come on. You'd think. I don't know. Maybe they don't talk much now that they have a competing streaming service. Maybe there's bad blood. I hope not. There are moments, even just this last weekend, there are moments where I think, yeah, the Apple Vision Pro would be a nice product for me if if I could get my work done. Um, Because I'm going to be traveling in April for about a month on the road and trying to do the shows, trying to keep the workflow going, everything like that. It'd just be really nice to have a bunch of virtual screens in a consistent work environment when you're traveling for a month straight. It just seems extremely appealing to me, but it's just too early to know because this thing, I think, lives and dies on what the developers bring to the platform. And so far, what I've seen doesn't seem very spatial to me. It's just, you know, I mean, I guess in a way it's fine. If, if I just want a work device, maybe I just want a lot of Windows. Mm, I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm yeah. a little more skeptical because uh, I was listening to, you know, some people reviewing it, particularly The Verge. And the way Apple's demoing these in these super ideal environments, like I think once folks get their hands on these bad boys, we're going to see what's your $3,500 buy you. And by the way, it's not $3,500 because you need, like if you buy this thing and don't buy the case to protect it, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, you might as well get the yeah. 512 version too. So you're then, now you're like at 3800 yeah. or something you're, like that. It's like $4,200, <laughs> right? It's like, I don't know. And then like there's a whole, you need a holster, which looks like a BlackBerry phone case for the battery that Apple seems to keep forgetting to put in their marketing photos, running a cable like a, a Cyberman down your deck. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. 
I think this you is do my, know. My, you, just, my, you want it to be good, but you well, know it's right. bad. But here, well, here's my last thought on it. Here's my last thought. And then I was, I was, I was using my daughter's uh, Oculus Quest this weekend, and fixing a few things and going through the menu system. And I thought, you know, this if it was just even ten percent better than this Oculus Quest, maybe ten twenty percent better. Um, they got a real product here. Uh, that I, you know, I really. It's been a while since I used the Quest, and I really like it. It is fun being in that environment. And my daughter has this really cool app where she can build out her own drum set and you know set up loops and create all these different songs in this complete virtual space. I had an app that gave me a virtual office with multiple screens where I could bring in my computer screen. All of that was really compelling. It was just a little too low res for me to stare at those screens for that long. And the apps were a little slow, and the device was a little slow. You know, there were it really the the it, it wasn't more than a ten twenty percent uncanny valley that needed to be filled and closed. And if Apple is only expecting, according to Bloomberg, to sell three hundred thousand to a four hundred thousand pros in twenty twenty four of these Vision Pros, I think that's a very realistic expectation because, you know, we've seen somewhere between eighty thousand. And as high as 160,000 units sold over the launch weekend. I don't know. How, we don't know. 160 to 180 is the number that keeps getting kicked around. And Apple's got a target of four, 300 to 400 for the entire year. That's really reasonable. I mean, you're not going to break the uh, the barrier of million users that's going to bring apps. But you're going to cede to a dedicated set that is going to help iterate on this thing. And I think... The move here is clear. You bring this down to Apple Vision Air sure. and Apple Vision. Sure. And, um, you know, then you get to a million, two million users. It's just not there yet. If that's the case, is it too ridiculous to roll the dice, pick one up, and try to get on the ground floor with an app that, you know, becomes known as one of the Vision Pro productivity apps? Yes. Oh, Okay. All right, I know because of the rules and stuff, but it just seems like if no. You it's not, it's not just the, the rules. It, let, let's forget the rules for a second. These apps are going to be super expensive to develop. Mm. Um, and I know my indie heart is. I'm thinking of like small developers here. I don't know unless you're like half-assing it and like doing an iPad port. I don't know how you really are developing something deep for this. That yeah, okay, doesn't fight. You know, you're not at risk from the rules. But more importantly, the development budget. And I don't, I mean, in the beginning, people will be able to charge for apps. It's a new platform. I get it. But this thing's going to regress to the app store economics. And man, oh man, is it getting tough to justify native app development uh, in the consumer market with people's just unwillingness to goddamn pay for anything. I think Safari will be the MVP of this device. People are going to be busting out to Safari for so much stuff. And they're going to be going in incognito mode. And, and <laughs> that's on. what this is for. All right. I hope to be proven wrong here, but I, 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 I think they're going to have a very specific clientele. I'll put it to you that way. Um, let's, uh, let's cover one more story in this space, kind of a, dis- a disappointment. And I could only imagine what this feels like for Google employees. <laughs> but the Google CEO has gone to uh, the internal – uh, email list to say, hey, just so you know, everybody's job's at risk for the rest of the year. Don't freak out. 
Well, so last year, this is interesting, Google was kind of criticized for not cutting enough compared to, say, a Meta or an Amazon. But this year, right, we've had headline after headline of these cuts coming at the beginning of the year. And last night, you know, in that memo, Senator Pichai warning that there's more to come. But there's this idea of maybe there's a different reason behind these job cuts. What if they're the beginning of a new trend? So rather than playing catch up or correcting post-pandemic, this is actually Google getting into position for an AI platform shift that will require a different kind of workforce. I want to read part of that memo from Pichai last night. He wrote that the reality is that to create capacity for AI investment, we have to make tough choices. And so for some teams, that means removing layers uh, to simplify execution and drive velocity. So Tyler, over the last few years, higher interest rates, the efficiency drive, that was the cover for layoffs. So the reason, however you want to look at it. This year, though, you could hear companies saying AI or the machines made me do it. They're looking for different kinds of workforces. It may not necessarily mean layoffs, but also a different kind of hiring. I don't believe you. So uh, you're a small business owner. I'm a small business owner. You've done lots of hiring. I've done plenty of hiring, especially back in my IT career, lots of hiring. Um, You know it's a fact that it is easier to retrain a competent, intelligent, good hire and have them focus on a new task than it is to bring in somebody green in a field that is a totally green field to begin with and train them up from the very ground up, especially like some of these people that have been there for years, decade. This whole thing, again, is a more AI whitewashing about just a year's worth of layoffs because they have to transition to an AI strategy. So what, you, you, you don't blame Sam Altman for all your problems? I thought they were an AI company all along. Remember, oh. that's what they told us when ChatGPT was announced, that Google wasn't worried because they were, they've were they always been an AI company. Remember that line? This is your problem. You don't watch enough Scooby-Doo. AI company was the first mask under Don't Be Evil, but there was a second mask. And when you rip off the AI mask, it turns out we're chasing share price all along. I mean, that's huh. that's what this is okay. about, right? Wall Street is super uh, thirsty for layoffs right now, and uh, Satya's given the douchebags what they want. I don't know. I mean, yeah, here's the story, though. I mean, this is just, it's, oh, of course, Wired's now trying to get me to buy it. But I, I, I see a story from June 22nd, 2016, how Google is remaking itself into a machine learning first company. If you want to build artificial intelligence into every product, you better retrain your army of coders. Check. And this is from Wired 2016. Aww. <laughs> Aww. So See, I thought they were already an AI company. So no, why all the layoffs? No, no they were resp- – don't you remember their their reaction to the chat GPT? Well, we, we could have obviously done this, but uh, we were responsible and uh, did not do it. Everybody's fired. What? <laughs> Another 10%. Shopping my ex. It's the stock price, right? Or am I the only one who sees it? Oh, of course. It's just remarkable yeah. and, and kind of sad and disappointing how much the economics and the stock market drive everything and every narrative we're being crammed down our throat all the way down to individual OS features like all of those, you know, digital awareness about your usage features. It's it's all about getting the Wall Street machine to pump money and attention their way. It's not their fault, man. Listen. When you've been detoxing on the money printer heroin, Whoop. you need some methadone. And where are you going to get the methadone? It's got it. If you can't get it from the treasury, you got to get it from Wall Street. So. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, that's uh, the yeah. problem here. Yeah. Now, I will say it's still amazing to me how flat footed Google seems to have gotten caught with this. Like, OpenAI, 
Yeah. And then Microsoft was just like, Sam Altman, will you be the Vader to our emperor? Like, and it's, it's working. Google doesn't seem as focused. I mean, they never are, but in particular on this AI stuff, like they tried to wrap themselves in the flag and in morality and in wokeness and whatever and say, oh, we're trying to be responsible. And when that did not goose their share price, right, when their share went down, all of a sudden they sharpen the axes and they're talking about AI every day. Yeah. So I, I'm worried, well, not worried, but it seems that Google, like, is it possible they really were caught by surprise? I find it, they I should know everything. I think right. they're more dysfunctional than Microsoft at their worst. Diane posted um, on one of the social media sites. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, she says she's a staff, staff software engineer at Google, and this is what she wrote. My hot take. Google does not have one single visionary leader, not a one. From the C-suite to the SVP to the VPs, they all profoundly are boring and glassy-eyed. Google has not launched one single success, successful executive-driven thing in years. Sometimes VPs try to decree, quote, we need a new chat app or an AI first demo, uh, you know, kind of like implying that they rally around Google I.O. She goes on to say there's a huge death march. And in the end, the thing is half-baked and roundly derided. If well, and they kill all their stuff. If you're trying to partner with them, you have to wonder, is this yeah. going to be around in six so months? So she says this, if it doesn't get 100 million users in six months, they give up on it and shut it down. Uh, she's like, it's, she writes, and this one really hits. It's like that joke algorithm I learned about in college, BOGO sort. In each iteration of the algorithm, you reorder everything randomly, and if the elements happen to land in order, you're done. Some of Google's executives are are competent referees. I couldn't name which, but I feel like I've seen it done in my last eight-plus years. The point, they point in a direction. Their subordinates seem to swarm in that area. They try a bunch of stuff, and sometimes something sticks and is cool. Mm -hmm. Right now, all these boring, glassy-eyed leaders are trying to point in a vague direction, AI, while at the same time killing their golden goose. Given that they have no real vision of their own, they really need their subordinates to come up with the cool stuff for them. And at the same time, they have been rolling layoffs for the past 6 to 12 months, which is going throughout the entire company, including engineering, sales support, UX, product, data science, SRE, everything. Just randomly firing people, torching institutional knowledge. And blowing up perfectly functional teams. Well, and and it and it scares your 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 workforce, which you know your 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 folks are your army, right? Like you don't want an army who thinks you know the lieutenant's going to shoot them in the back. Or well, something so like. you you read that, um, and then you think about Pachai sending that memo out, saying you know for the rest of the year we're going to be doing these randoy seeming layoffs. Isn't Morale that crazy? just must be tanked. Right? Like, why would as a leader? Why would you? Like, it's. Imagine, Chris, we like walk or, you know, you walk into JB Virtual HQ. Yeah, well, you may, or just imagine I like, come on some of the shows like and for like a year I say like, hey, one, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to fire one of you guys. We're going to cancel one of these shows. You're going to find out soon. Like and I just say that. Actually, for- I honestly think we could do a Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'd probably lose. Back it up. I, OK, back it I, up. I'm not you a good fighter and yeah. West seems pretty scrappy, but uh, I'd be worried about Brent. He's got sometimes weird new strength. He's, he's so nice, but then you get him hungry, and that moose strength mm. kicks in, and he gets dangerous. Well, I'll send him a bucket of KFC first. <laughs> yeah. But and Alan Jude has like devil powers from BSD, so who knows? But I know. No, it's seriously, Canadians. Like, think of just, dude, their blood is basically maple syrup. And I love Canadians, some of my best customers. Think about the calculation, Satya, who is an incredibly into brilliant man, right? The guy is next level. 
he could run circles around five of us combined. Decided that it was a good idea, because it probably was by his metrics, to tank morale to send this insane missive because the stock price would it's go It's got to be a gentleman's layoff, right? It's they've done the they've done the you must return to return to the office mm-hmm. gentlemen's layoffs, and now it's the we're gonna make you hate this place and just quit gentlemen's layoffs. Maybe I'm sorry, not Satya Sindar. I'm sorry. It, could it be? Could it be that they're just trying to get people to quit? Well, yeah, because you don't have to pay. Uh, you don't have to pay any severance or anything. Sure, but you just tank your competitiveness, and it just I can't imagine that's it. Uh, what else could it be? Who? Seriously, we've both run small businesses for years. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I did something like this once, but it wasn't like for such weird reasons. People were slow on products. Like I sent a mean email with the title, the party's over. Oh my God, that's it. That's it. Management thinks it's the staff's fault and the staff all think it's the leadership's fault. Oh. And that's what this, that's where this energy comes from. That's why he's coming in they're hot angry. like this. So yes. they're angry. Yeah, I was angry, right? I, I was, I was pissed off and, uh, I mean, don't listen to me, Sindar, but I did fire a few people and things got better for a while. So, whoops. Wild. I mean, I can totally see. And it makes sense in a lean, mean, you know, survival situation. But that's a startup. Like, we were we were 10 people, right? Like, And it didn't probably take you a year. Oh, it took me two weeks to fire the two people I fired yeah. because they were, you know, this is maybe too inside baseball, but our development bandwidth actually went up because these were people who, they're not bad people, right? They just needed help and uh, they weren't. You know, one of them had fibbed on his resume, and the other was just uh, not performing. I'll say that makes sense. This is this is a wild development out of Google. So they've been flat footed now. That we're 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 way past when they should have had a decent response. We've had Gemini, we've had Bard. No, neither one of them seem to be moving the needle for anybody. Meanwhile, Microsoft and OpenAI continue to move at a pretty rapid clip. Microsoft's like Michael Jordan in the, uh, what is it, Space, not the second one, the first Space Jam movie, the good Space Jam movie. Yeah. Just dunking left and right on them. He's like, okay. Satya, Satya forever. Thank you, everybody, who boosts into the show. You can get a new podcast app at podcastapps.com. You can also listen to the show live now in Boost. Get your thoughts in while we're recording, like Rotted Mood, who sent in a value-for-value value boost while we were live. Fountain FM just hit 1-0, and it's fantastic. It integrates with Strike, which was one of my favorite ways to get stats really quick. Then you boost those in there, and you help support the show and get your message. And each boost goes to uh, Editor Drew as well and the Podverse FM developers. And we'll have those coming up later in the show. <laughs> I feel like this is really embarrassing for Microsoft. I just can't believe that they've once again been hacked. And this time it's, quote, senior leadership emails that have been supposedly accessed by Russian solar wind hackers. Beginning in late November 2023, the attacker did a password spray attack and compromised a legacy non-production test net account, which then gained a foothold and moved on to the system from there. A little island hopping, as I like to call it. Good old just spray and pray password attack, and they got in. Like one of the most simple, basic. And you know what's so funny is I when I picture Microsoft, I've been there many times. Everybody's walking around with their badge and their two factors to authenticate for everything. I mean, Microsoft is very secure. You, you don't just like walk around the campus. One does not simply walk into Red Right. Bus. 
And you don't just like log into the machine with like a password, right? That's not how anything works there. So it's very surprising that somewhere they were running these, quote, legacy systems, as they put it. Uh, they apparently were able to review um, senior leadership emails. Uh, they say uh, legal documents, certain other functions, uh, including uh, getting some attachments off of the emails. It's embarrassing. And what's what's really kind of a zinger about it is the attack took place just days after Microsoft had announced its big fancy overhaul of software security following some major Azure attacks. And of course, Microsoft was at the center of the SolarWinds attack about three years ago where 30,000 different organizations were also compromised as a result of an exchange server flaw. This is rough, though. I mean, I know you say everybody gets hacked, but Microsoft is really a target. This is you got to you got to acknowledge there's when you have it. I think when you have a stack of issues like this, there is a cohort of the market that starts saying we're going to avoid Microsoft just to avoid being rolled up in this large target. Ah, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You don't think you think this just rolls off like water off of a software developer's back? Yeah, I do. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It's just, it's really bad. This is some basic, like, they just got, they just did a spray attack and got in. Yeah, but it's Russia. I mean, comrade, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we're loving you, Commander Bond. Yes, we try to poison you and shoot you, but, you know, it's Russia. They do have the elite ninja hackers trained by Putin himself. <laughs> I was say, are you playing the international? <laughs> the Russian anthem, yeah, buddy. You got to respect those developers, those hackers, those Russian ninjas. They might have computers from 1997, but they were perfectly positioned to go after a legacy Microsoft system. And once again, on their scrappy little connections, they've taken out one of the greatest companies. I just want to mention Alice.dev, always moving your data out of legacy Microsoft. Alice.tech, get it out of there, move it out. .dev, I got it. Alice.dev, Alice.dev, move it out, move it out of there. There's one D-bag holding on to one of the domain names because he... Uh... Oh, that always happens. Oh, but he thinks it's worth 20 grand. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, oh, I could just buy all the other ones. Okay. You wouldn't believe what people charge to have the word Jupiter in, in a domain. Turns out popular. So this is the part where I get fired after 4,000 years, it feels like. I once opened a Mercury broadcast. <laughs> Other Saturn broadcasting yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. And Mars Broadcasting. There's a Mars I was trying to do uh, radio plays, like fiction radio plays. And it turns out that dealing with actresses and actors is not something I would want to do until I go to hell. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah, and uh, that was not a good... It was like going to be my side thing. I was like, this is so cool. I love old school radio plays, like Johnny Dollar, all that, all that stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, these people are as crazy as you think they are. I, I got an idea of that just by participating in theater in high school. Maybe, but wait, does that make me one of the crazies? Yeah, but you have beautiful hair. Hmm. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. We got some great messages this week. Ben, the guy from Fairbanks who incidentally spends part of the year living in Thailand, boosted in with 65,535 sats. Hey, Richard, I'm Champagne and cocaine. Let's go. Happy New Year, he writes from the podcast Index. Uh, regarding all the recent conference talk, I wanted to give a shout out to the FOSS Asia Summit. 
I went last year in Singapore, and it was super fun. They have a great crew, and I got to meet cool folks from across the community. So it's just so neat to bump into legit FOSS celebrities like Frank from Nextcloud. For folks on the side of that side of the world, it'll be the 8th and the 10th of April at summit.fossasia.org in Hanoi, H-A-N-O-I. I'm probably saying that wrong. But Ben, thank you. I do like the uh, meetup reports, even if they're just local meetups in your neighborhood um, or if they're big events like FOSS Asia. Summit.fossasia.org if you want to check that out. Thank you very much, Ben. You are a baller this week. Mr. Borkander comes in with 54,321 sets. I hoard that which your kind covered. I see. It's a 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 boost. That sounds like we need like a blast off. There you go. Uh, he says the show must go on. Thank you for the support from Podverse. Loving you. OA Guy 1 boosts in with 34,000 sats from Castomatic. Hello, longtime listener and Jupiter Party member. Here's some stats to say thanks for the amazing show. I've been a software pro now for 10 years, and I've listened to this podcast the entire time. Woo! I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I like how Chris apologizes. Thank you. Boost. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mick Zip comes in with 25,000 sats. I love me the show and some independent media. Thank you. Thought Criminal comes in with a satchel of Richards, 11,101 sats. No sponsors, no message, and no boosts. I'm sorry we dropped the ball this week. Coder serves up the best bacon in the industry. Well, thank you. I do have some fresh bacon for you right here if you'd like it. Oh, yeah. That's a little local special. I got a little gift card from Savannah Meats from Mom for Christmas, so I went over there and got you some bacon. And it is fantastic. It, by the way, if you're ever in the area, in the north of Seattle area, and you want some great tips for places to get meat and burgers, you boost in, I'll let you know. Thank you, Thought Criminal. Appreciate it. Cospielan comes in with 2,000 sats, and he just says, boost. Well, here you go. I've been boosted. Yeah, you have. Sir Alex Gates comes in with one, two, three, four, five sats. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. Hey, he says, I want to confirm my boost got through. I sent two the last couple of weeks, and I don't recall hearing. Hmm. I don't think I saw them, Alex Gates. Mm, we'll Mr. check. Sir Alex Gates, the podcasting consultant. Maybe uh, Mike snuck them. That could be it. A little boost sneaker. You know, sometimes I like to have an extra cookie. I ate them. Yeah. I, I, I had to buy more uh, Gungan food for my inner Jar Jar. If you've seen the Venom movie, he's starting to take over. I was going to have one cookie, but when they're fresh, I got to have like five oh, cookies. Oh, dude. Fresh cookies, man. Oh, That's like, oh. They are the best. Maybe the best dessert. Fresh cookies. Dessert? Have... No, no. Breakfast. Yeah. You make those cookies at 5 a.m. like like Jawway intended. Scott Boosin. By the way, thank you, Alex. Scott Boosin, 5,000 sets. I was unfortunately not able to boost last week. I had a Podverse breakage. Ooh. But here's some stats to make up for last week. I'm going to try and support you guys more since you really are the only shows consistently covering tech from a rational and realistic perspective that is sorely lacking amid all the hype. Okay, Maybe now hang on. Uh, Scott, are you willing to sign an affidavit that says <laughs> that I'm rational and realistic? I'm not going to say why. That's super helpful for me. <laughs> the gig boosts in with a row of ducks. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Thank you. The gig. Appreciate that. Noodles comes in with 12,500 sats. Uh, just sending some sats your way. I love the show, but I'm a bit low on cash. Happens. These are all the sats I have sitting in my wallet, so I'm going to support the show. Thank you, Noodles. Appreciate that. 
Podhome. We mentioned podhome.fm, and uh, they boosted in 15,000 sats. And thanks for the mention. Glad Podhome is saving you time. It's been great. little follow-up on podhome.fm. I'm using it now for uh, the Jupiter Station feed, and I'm also using it for our Live Unplugged members feed. And it's doing – it's really neat. It does all of the AI analysis for you of – does, of course, a transcription. And then off of that transcription, it does – all kinds of neat things like chapter automatic generation, uh, title suggestions, automatic clips. It's a really cool service, and it's like relatively uh, a great price. Check it out, podhome.fm. And thank you for boosting in. Uh, week, I think I'm on week three, and I'm, I'm really liking it. Uh, 40 Deluxe liked the uh, take on the AI whitewashing. We had 13 boosters in total. Oh, and also a live boost from Rotted Mood, not to forget, who had a value-for-value boost at 25,000 sats. Thank you. I'm going to call that a big batchel of ducks, I guess. A satchel, a group, flock, a murder. I don't know. Uh, So we had uh, 241,034 sats uh, plus the 25,000 sats from Rotted Mood. Thank you, everybody. A much nice step up. I think 200,000 would be a great baseline for next week if we could get there. I think that would be a nice goal. You could help us get there, maybe in pop over it if you could. And uh, you're always welcome to send a message in and follow up on anything we talked about in the show. We always love that. Or anything else. Like, I'm uh, I'm like um, six episodes into Babylon 5, season two. Ooh! Ooh, we can't... Yeah, I have something new I'm watching. Go. How are you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. I was struggling, actually, in the most recent episode a little bit. But I just got to remember to... Just because the acting was so rough, they had like a, a guest captain who came in on one of these big explorer ships... Oh, that sucks. And, and he's like Sheridan's br- buddy. Um, yeah, all the all the guest officers are terrible. Yeah, it's rough acting. It's rough. It, it's worse than like when an admiral shows up on TNG and is like, <laughs> I've got the biggest bowls in the yeah. galaxy. I know what you mean. Yep, so I, what you mean. I decided, because you dunked on me so mercilessly on the Babylon 5 thing in the Code of QA, to go even older than Babylon 5. Oh, yeah? Are you familiar with a man named Chuck? Connors, Chuck, it, like Chuck Norris. Chuck, come Connors. on, that sounds familiar. I'm gonna look that. Oh, up. it should. Chuck oh, it Connors. should. Chuck Connors. Oh wow. Oh whoa. You're going way back. You're going. Are you going branded, baby? Branded. Are, are you talking like? Are you talking like the guy that the guy was born in 1921 and then died in 1992? Yeah. Like, no. The, the name of the show is branded. I that yeah. It's black and white. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. So he is a Union uh, cavalry officer. Uh-huh. And yes, Union, because that's where we are. <laughs> right. Branded. Dun, dun, and dun, dun. he, uh, his folks, uh, his crew gets whacked by a bunch of, uh, wow, very New Jersey whacked. Let me, yo, let me get a hoagie too. <laughs> oh, sounds good. And he's the only survivor, but they think he's a coward and runs. So the intro is, I, we can't play it, but it, you got a YouTube, the, the branded intro. They drop, they literally rip the stripes off his, uh, like the Chevrolet. I actually think it's chevrons, not stripes. So he might be technically a sergeant. I don't remember his rank, but they rip them off his shoulder, off his uniform. For some reason, he has no shirt on, but he has his jacket, which makes no sense. But we'll just let that go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. They take his his cavalry sword, right? Which back in the day, that's primarily what they used, but kind of ceremonial too, right? Um, they the guy the the officer that breaks it over his knee, hands him back the hilt with the broken sword. And they're like, they drum him out and they, you know, they, they sing uh, branded dun, 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 dun. He, they, they, right in the intro song. They say they 
branded him as a coward, but he wasn't one. And he just runs around like a Irish Zorro fighting with a broken cavalry sword. It's so good, though. And I will tell you that there's no way it would be aired today. So if you're uh, looking for something interesting to watch, I got the entire DVD collection on Amazon for 20 bucks. Oh, my goodness. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, this is all stuff I used to watch with my dad, like all these black and white detectives. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, West, he loves Westerns. He's uh, 80. Thank God he doesn't know. Actually, I-, I take it back, Chris, if we have another minute. My dad discovered podcasts. Oh, now, now what is that like when, you know, a, a, a parental unit discovers a podcast? Do they, are, do they make a connection? This is something you've been doing for many years? He finally – well, I, I had to explain, like, what we've been doing is AM uh-huh. radio sure, okay. on the internet because yep. that's the only way he could understand it. Right. right. But actually, he loves podcasts. He has been all up on that. He uh, he does the, the Johnny Dollar, Detective Johnny Dollar, another uh, good classic program. Uh, there's a bunch of like the old Sherlock Holmes, uh, all the stuff like we used to watch or listen to. Whatever. When I was a kid, he had all the cassette tapes of all the detectives and like a lot of the country western radio plays. Because uh, my dad's in his 80s, so also the black and white films and, and the TV shows from his youth. And they're all just, I guess at some point they don't care about the copyright anymore. They're all there. Like if you even on like Apple Podcasts, they're there. He also discovered YouTube at the same time and has become a, I would say, an admiral in the pirate fleet at this point. He's watching <laughs> everything because they don't police the old stuff. They, they yeah. really don't. He's just like, this is great. I just type it in and I got And if this one's no good, I just go to the next guy. It's good. They for don't him. charge me. Good for him. Wait till he discovers YouTube Red and he doesn't have to watch ads. It's yeah. you know what though? What the hell? It, it, there was a an article I read about preservation of video games, and one of the big challenges is because a lot of these video. In fact, Ubisoft is being sued right now. A lot of these games require live services, so the minute they turn the service off, right, the back end service, your disc is worth nil. It's worth nothing. Well, you know what? Things from the fifties. And the 40s are still pretty good. Might want to check my math there. It's the 50s. But yeah, it, they're, they're still pretty good because, hell, if you have the cassette tape of Hopalong Cassidy or if you have a VHS, yes, he has an extensive VHS cowboy collection. Guess what? You got it. And there's no login that you have to have. There's no you know, OAuth server that has to be up. You just got it. Right. Mike's old. Yeah, that is true. Until the VHS fades because it's magnetic. Not true. There are services. Oh, yeah. yeah I got to yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah. You could import it for sure. No, they will convert your VHS to DVD for yeah, you. Yeah, And up-res it and they will like repair oh, it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's, he's on it. Trust me. He's. <laughs> I, um, now, this is not old school, although I, I do love them. I do love some of those old shows. Uh, I started watching about six episodes into Westworld which has been very mm, good. Good stuff. Have you seen it? Uh, I saw the first season. I didn't finish it, but I, I think I was like three quarters of the way through. It's neat too, just because it was started in 2016, but you know, it deals a lot with artificial intelligence and, and all of that. And it's well done too, so far at least. So it's been fun. And I got it on the new TV because, you know, my old TV died. So I, I got it, you know, in high res, Blu-ray. Ooh. So that's been fun to watch something in Blu-ray and be all fancy and all that. I did a, I know we're running over, but I did a Pepsi challenge by watching the Avengers on 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. Side by side with the streaming. What have we done to ourselves? Oh, the streaming's way worse. That movie's beautiful. Yeah. 
when you watch it without the weird. Yeah. And I have Fios. I mean, I, I'm sure it's, it's just not, the compression and whatnot. It just, yeah, it's just no, it good, cuts down though. on the color space. It cuts down and, and you know, they, and the, you could it really, it's weird, but it feels like a lot of these streaming services, their compression breaks down in blacks and in dark spaces. And now that I have an HDR television, I can, I notice it a lot more. Well, like Age of Ultron in particular, when they're that opening scene, when they're in uh, whatever strange Eastern European country they're in, like Iron Man's in the basement. Like, I'm, I'm spoilers, I guess, but you know, he takes off the armor and he goes down to the basement. They've got the alien hooked up. They're doing some kind of experiment on it. There's all those blacks and like light color, you know, dark colors yeah. rather. The contrast on the Blu-ray version, uh. it's gorgeous. Yeah, so Mike is old. I'm also there's a big difference between my Amazon TV and my Sony's. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just it's all matters of how much you care about this stuff, I suppose. Really. Well, I want to see every follicle of Craig Federici's chest hair. My kids are fine with just watching on their phone. They don't care. <laughs> my son couldn't tell if he was what. I mean, I honestly want to just. Although I was watching Branded in black and white, and again, he's like, "Are you sure the TV isn't broken?" I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Apple Vision Pro as a movie experience, if you're watching by yourself, it's probably got to be sweet. What if you're watching something from 1954? He's still watching it in some huge, cool, chill space. I don't know. It's true. His shirtless. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right, thank you all, all right. for listening. Yeah, you let's get out of here. At, at Chris LAS, the podcast network is at Jupiter's Signal, <laughs> and the show is at Coda Radio Show. Look I'm at, at Dumanuko on Twitter, and check out Alice, and I have something new coming out if I ever get it right. Alice.dev. Alice.dev. I don't know if people out there, I don't know if it's no big deal. If you're Noster curious, I, I pointed chrislast.com to a Noster profile of mine. I don't use it a lot, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm planting. I'm, I'm going I'm to put a little seed right there. Maybe I'm going to grow it and nurture it a little bit one day. Chrislast.com if you want to follow me over there. Coder.show slash 554 for everything that we talked about today. That'll have your links that are relevant to our discussion. And then on that site, we also have things like our contact form. We love it when you write in. We'll have our RSS feed so you can subscribe and get the show as we release it. We generally are recording on a Monday. We'd love to have you join us. It's noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. If you subscribe to the Jupiter Station feed in a podcasting 2.0 app, you don't have to worry about when we do it live because we'll just go live in the app. And you can listen right there. We'll have that feature in the main coder feed one day as well. And I don't have to like even tell you the times anymore. It's going to be a whole new world. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. We'll see you right back here next week.